Namaste everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ramanan Saga Ramayan Review. My name is Pradeep and I'm the dad. My name is Vishal and I am the daughter. And hello Vishal, how are you doing today? I'm good, how are you? Good, good. How was your first week of school? It was good. I had to get used to finding all my classes and stuff and like getting, um, like getting to know my teachers, but after I got I got used to it after like 2 days, so. Oh, okay. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, Vishala started a new school this year. And uh, it's been a little bit tight with time for us. Uh, so, this episode is dropping just a little bit late. And we apologize for that. But don't worry, we'll get it figured out. Uh, before we start, uh, we have a couple housekeeping issues that we need to deal with. First of all, uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that this past week, we crossed our first month of podcasting. And uh, thanks to you, we've had over a thousand downloads. And uh, thank you so much for the support that you've been showing to our sponsor, Hindu Handcraft. Uh, just so you know, HinduHandcrafts.com is our own website. And the proceeds from that is what we use to do our spiritual work. So the fact that you guys have been supporting it uh, really means a lot to us and it will go a long way. Thank you once again. Please uh, don't forget to follow the show. If you can, please rate and review it. Share it if you can. Or if you can't do any of that, just listen. And that itself goes a very long way. Thank you again so much for participating. So Vishala, what episode is this? Season 1, Episode 5. And what is the title of it? Ganga, Redemption of Ahalya. Right. The IMDB description says, Shiram and Lakshman proceed to Mithila. The story to the origin of Ganga, the redemption of Ahilya, and Shiram and Lakshman walk through the streets of Mithila. So this episode is jam-packed with a lot of content. The original air date is the 1st of March, 1997. It has an IMDb rating of 9 stars. So Vishala, where can people view this Ramayan episode? YouTube. Link is in the show notes and on our website at thehindupod.com. Right. So we've been posting the uh, links to the Ramayan episodes on our website. So you can just go to thehindupod.com to find the current links to it. So tell me something. What was your overall thought about this episode? There was a lot that they put into this episode and there was a lot of names to keep up with and stuff and so that um that was something i had to do like trying to keep up with all the names and but other than that it was yeah, yeah. you know they're still moving at light speed uh that that's kind of my uh my impression as well my overall thoughts of this i loved it uh don't get me wrong i really did like the episode but that's a lot to be putting into one episode one half an hour episode and the problem with it is that you can't really dedicate the amount of time that each one of these stories really deserve. Um, so for me, that's still, you know, I still think they're doing a little bit too much at once. I thought they would slow down at least a little bit by, by now, but... Yeah, yes, let's, let's see what happens. Well, if you're ready, we can get started. Why don't you go ahead and start with the uh, recap? The episode starts with the last scene where Ram, where Ram fights Tarika, and he kills her. Um, 
after he kills her, Vishamitra says to Ram that he decides to give him all his weapons. Because he's been looking and searching for so long to give someone his weapons. And now he's now that Ram is here, he finally has the right person to give these weapons to. Right, so if we could go back a little bit. The battle of Tarika and Rama. You see, this is what I mean by uh, they, they rush through a lot of it. It's actually quite a grand battle that happens. Tarika is a very powerful being. So Tarika, when she was born, she was blessed with the power of a thousand elephants. She's very strong. And she was this uh, beautiful lady that her father, when she was born, she just, he had wanted her to be a boy. He wanted a, a son instead. So he married her off as soon as possible. She had a son. So Tarika and her son were cursed to become demons. Now she was blessed when she was born with the power of a thousand elephants. But she also had the power to change her form. So when she was turned into a demon, she retained these powers, the power of strength and the power to change her form. And her son also had the power to change form. Her son's name was Marich. The Valmiki Ramayana gives the description of the battle between Tatika and Shirama's this. It says, convulsed in anger, Tatika roaringly rushed towards Rama alone, swinging her arms, flinging up dreadful dust on those two Raghavas. I think when we saw that green uh, smoke coming out of her mouth, mm -hmm. that's probably what that was supposed to represent. Uh. Tatika baffled them for a while with a massive cloud of dust. Then, taking hold of witchery, she inundated both of the Raghavas with a highly torrential stone rain, by which Rama became indigent. On forestalling her effusive stone storming with his arrow storm, Rama even mutilated both of her arms with arrows while she rushed towards him. So he severed both of her arms with arrows as she's coming towards him. With her arms severed and fatigued, she started to roar extremely loud. And then Lakshmana made her nose and ears fall off by cutting them off. That guy's changer vanished after variously altering her aspects. So she, because she had the power to change her form, she kept changing her form back and forth until she regrew arms and, and nose and ears and all of that. So she got back her original form. And then on baffling them with her illusoriness and discharging stone storms, she moved about appallingly. And on seeing both Rama and Lakshman, who are being overspread by storms of stone from all over, then the illustrious sage Vishwamitra spoke this sentence. Enough compassion, Rama. He's telling Rama, stop having mercy upon her. She is sinister. Her behavior is malevolent. She is a hinderer of rituals. And this Yakshasi gets a grip on herself in a short time by her illusory power. As soon as you, as soon as you ease up on her, she regains her power. The sun is going to set in a short time. And only before that time, she shall be destroyed. For demons at dusk and afterwards, they become unassailable. When Vishwamitra addressed him, 
Rama displaying his capacity at sonic archery forestalled at Yakshasi, who had gone to invisibility and storming stone storms with his arrow. And when the arrays of arrows obstructed her, who possesses illusional powers, she dashed towards Rama and Lakshman, blaring stridently. And Rama struck an arrow in her chest, who is invading and speedily swooping down like a thunderbolt. And thus, she is readily fell down and totally dropped dead. So this is the, the actual bat that as it went down. So you had said that after this battle was done, then Vishwamitra decided that he wanted to give Rama his weapons. Here's my question for you. If Tataka is such a dangerous being to fight, why didn't he give the weapons before the fight? I guess he wanted Ram to prove himself that he's worthy of these weapons. That is exactly it. That is exactly it. So he wanted to see that Sri Rama had the ability to do it himself first. They want to make sure he has the ability, he knows how to use it. It's just to make sure that you could get it done. And Sri Ram, obviously, he proves himself to this. Mm -hmm. And it is the demigods, when this is done, they instruct Vishwamitra, okay, it is time now for you to give Sri Rama these weapons because he has work to be work to do and he will need these weapons to do it. And when the, the demigods tell Vishwamitra to do it, then he does it. Ram gives his thing. I guess they go to give him the weapons. And Vishwamitra um, tells him how like he ha he has to use these weapons for like like properly. He can't just go and use them for the wrong purposes. Right, so he's telling him that you can't go and use it for the wrong purposes. Remember who originally used it for the wrong purpose? It was Vishwamitra himself. Uh, oh, yeah. When he got the weapons, the first thing he did, he went and he attacked uh, Guru Vashishta. But here's another thing about these weapons. The whole time he's had these weapons, what has he really used it for? He has just been holding yeah. on to it. Right? Sometimes we have stuff in life and what we have is not really for us. We are just a messenger, whether it be knowledge or whether it be material things. We could be just carrying this thing for somebody else. And when that person comes, what you have is actually theirs and you give it to them. So this is what we are seeing happening here with Guru Vishwamitra and Shiram. Yes, he did all the work. He got all the weapons and everything, but it was never meant for him. It was always meant for Shiram. He gathered all of this and now he's given it to the rightful owner, Shiram. So he goes, um, shows Ram all the weapons and he's telling him how to use each one, like the names of the weapons, the mantras to use um, when using them. So when he sits down to give the weapons to Shiram, the first thing he teaches them, both Ram and Lakshman, like this is according to the Ramayana itself, to the Valmiki Ramayana. He teaches them two mantras. It's called Bala and Atibal. And these mantras, what they do, they control hunger, thirst, and tiredness. And he gives these mantras to them. And he says that if you could practice these mantras and you can master these mantras, then you will be powerful because nobody will be able to defeat you. You will never be hungry. You will never be thirsty. You will always feel fresh. You will never feel tired. 
and you look at the Rama and you always see them, you know, they're always ready to go, they're always ready to go. And these mantras are what it is that is giving them this power to go. So once they have the Bala and Atibala mantra, then he starts to give them all the other weapons. So we're looking at the Brahmastra, the, the uh, weapon from Lord Shiva, the Narayanastra, all of these weapons he starts to give him. And another thing that's in the Valmiki Ramayana, but it is not in the show, after Sri Ram receives all of these weapons, he turns to Vishwamitra and he says, I would also like the power to annul these weapons. I want to have the power to be able to make these weapons inert. So if you think about how Vishwamitra was defeated when he went to fight, Guru Vashishta, Guru Vashishta never fired a weapon. All he did was he kept absorbing mm -hmm. the power of these weapons. He kept making them inert. So Sri Ram himself is saying, okay, yeah, it's nice to have these weapons, but I want that which can also destroy these weapons. And Vishwamitra happily also gives Sri Ram this power as well. So they return to the herm um, to the hermitage and Rama and Lakshman go to eat. If you look at the foods, they're like not cooked. They're just raw. And the, their time at Gurukul like prepared them for that. Because like, um, when Vishishta was talking to them, he was he was saying how like they must always be prepared for like, like they have to be tough and they can't, they're not always going to be surrounded by royalty since they're princes. Like they have to learn to live without like all this, fa all these like fancy stuff. So they were like prepared for this. Yeah, that that's a very good observation. Remember when they were digging the, the soil with pickaxes and everything, mm -hmm. they were being treated just like everybody else. And now we started to see the benefits of that. You know, it's nice to be in the, in the palace and being well taken care of and have servants and all of that but these boys can also when the time comes they can get their hands dirty and they can get it done just with the best of everybody else later on they go and they guard the area while all the sages um go and perform Haman. and soon ram spots marich and subahu and they're with other demons and did you ever figure out who those demons were so the two main demons there are Marich and Subahu. Mm -hmm. uh, Marich is the one, when you look at the screen, is the one on the left, and Subahu is the one on the right. And the others are just other demons that came with them to also try to destroy that sacrifice. So Ram starts using his new weapons, and he's like, creating all sorts of like protections over the fire and um, firing arrows at all the demons. And um, at some point, all of the demons are gone, and um, e including Subahu. And soon he shoots um, him. He shoots um, Marich with a like special arrow, like like you were telling me before. It didn't have like a po like a point or anything to it. It was just like like a stick, kind of. Yeah, it just looked like he was shooting a stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and shot Marich, and he went flying back into the air. Yes. So why do you think he did that? Because clearly the others had died, mm -hmm. but Marich didn't die. He had a purpose later on in right, the... Right, he has a purpose Sorry. later on. And later on we'll see Marich when Shiram goes into exile. Marich is actually, because of his power to change shape, he changes himself into that golden deer and entices uh, 
Sita Mata to ask Sri Ram to capture him. Mm-hmm. So he has a purpose to go. Sri Ram knows this. So that's why Sri Ram saves him. Sri Ram doesn't kill him. He hit he shoots him with an arrow and he actually flies all the way back to Lanka. So that in itself tells you that this is a drama. Sri Ram knows that this is a drama and everybody has a part to play in this drama. So he allows Marich to continue until his role is finished. I know I find that funny like he like did he just so happened to land back in Lanka or <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know I don't know why I find that funny. Yeah, but he's a servant of Lanka. So he went right back to Lanka. And later on um Vishwamitra congratulates him but soon he's informed that the messenger of Mithila has messages for him and um Vishwamitra says to take him to the guest room and honor him then they'll meet there and talk. All right. So you notice the the respect that's being paid to just the envoy mm-hmm. of whoever is sending them and that's the kind of respect we need to pay to people when they come to deliver a message or something like that we treat them the same way we would treat the person that sent them So when he goes to talk to the messenger he's informed that there's a swayamvard for princess Sita of Mithila and he's invited to go and bless it Or what was that what was that word that they were using? Yeah, so he says to venerate it and it's not necessary to bless it. So just the fact that Vishwamitra is there gives the entire event a certain a certain amount of prestige. Right? So that's why they're asking him to come so people will see how important this event is. Mm-hmm. So to come and to venerate this because he himself is an important person. So later Vishwamitra goes to um Ram and Lakshman and he tells them how um th- th- he tells them about this whole thing and asks them to come along to witness it. And Ram asks why to go if Sita just chooses who she wants to marry anyway. And Vishwamitra says how there are special conditions to it. Like there's a divine bow for Shiva that was passed down through generations. and whoever can lift that bow and string it will prove that they're worthy for to marry Sita. Yeah, so uh Vishwamitra is telling them, "Look, I just want you to come and witness this because there's going to be so many great personalities there and this is going to be such a special occasion. I want you to come and see." Now we know why he really wants him to go. But Vishwamitra is being a little bit smart here <laughs> by just telling Shriram Okay, I just want you to come and see. Come with me and just see. Ashram says, "Guruji, whatever you want, that's what I will do." He's been saying that throughout the episode. I like yes, that a lot. Yes, like he's he's making you sure. Want. Whatever you want, Guruji, that's what I will do. And when he gets to Janakpur, he continues to follow in that exact mm-hmm. same trend. Guruji, whatever you want, that is what I will do. And this in itself shows you like back then the amount of power that the guru had. right the amount of say the guru had on the lives of the children so much so that the parents themselves didn't have as much power as the guru so ram accepts and they agree to leave in the morning and what i assume is in the morning they left and they approached the river ganga and of course they have to go they offer they offer flowers to the river and Vishwamitra starts telling Ram the story of his dynasty. Yeah, so 
when they offered flowers to the river, it reminded me of when we grew up back in Trinidad. Whenever we went to the ocean, we would always carry flowers. We would carry rice. We would carry a little bit of coins. And we would stand at the ocean bed and we would put our hands together and we would pray to Gangama. And we would ask her for her blessings and we would ask her for her protection before we entered the water. And it was such a nice thing to see. This, this series keeps doing this to me. It keeps mm -hmm. showing me the things that we used to do as children and how far back that went. And it really makes me feel a little bit sad that we're kind of losing that. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you right now, I really don't practice it anymore. But I'm kind of feeling like I need to start doing that again. It I would be a shame to lose this. I didn't even know myself that you guys used to do that. So it just proves that like, people are they're just like not doing it like at all anymore. Right. So yeah, he starts telling Ram the story of his dynasty. And there was a king named Sagra performing Ashwamedha Yagna. And soon Lord Indra comes down and he said it was because um, the horse that they were using, he was afraid that it was going to conquer, it's gonna, it was going to go over too right. many areas. So, so what's happening here is he, he takes Shriram to the Ganga and they sit, they sit there and they offer their flowers and everything. And he starts to tell Shriram about their connection to Ganga, right? Because Rama's lineage is the Ikshvaku lineage and... He starts to tell him about why Ganga is here. And he has this king, like you said, his name is Sagara. And he's doing the Ashwamedha Yagna. Mm -hmm. And this Yagna, what it is, is they take a horse, they find a horse. They dress it up and everything. You see the horse is well decorated and all of that. They do this Yagna and then they release the horse. And wherever this horse goes, that land is claimed for their dynasty. That becomes a part of their kingdom. So this is why Lord Indra, he's looking at this and he's thinking to himself, if this horse can claim the entire earthly plane and next thing it finds itself in the heavenly planes, then all of a sudden I will lose my power. And he gets worried about that. So he goes and he steals the horse. and He takes it and hides it in the hellish regions. Mm -hmm. He brings him to, he brings the horse to a sage named Kapila. 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 Mm -hmm. Sage Kapila. And the sons of Sagar go, they search the world for the horse and soon they find it at Kapila's hermitage. And they get mad at um, Sage Kapila because they think he stole the horse because it was at his hermitage. And so Sage gets angry and energizing the water like and you were telling me um when we were watching the episode there's this reoccurring thing with water and they like you're showing me you're telling me about like how important water is yeah and i'm not sure if if it's meant to show that in this episode but throughout the episode there's a reoccurring theme of water so according to ramayan this entire episode with them trying to find a horse takes a very large turn and it's, it's not really explored in this episode. So, Raja Sagara has 60,000 sons with this one queen. And then he has another queen that has one son. He tells the 60,000 sons to go search everywhere and find a horse. And don't return until you find it. Use any means necessary to find the horse. 
they search the entire earth and they cannot find a horse on the earth. So what they start doing? They start digging into the earth. And it says they're using all kinds of tools, all kinds of weapons to just keep blowing into the earth and ripping the earth open. And Mother Earth, she goes to Lord Brahma again and she tells Lord Brahma, this has to stop. They are destroying me. Please help me. And Lord Brahma tells her, Mataji, and this is the first time I've ever heard it put like this, but uh, Valmiki is saying, to whom this Mother Earth belongs in all her entirety, he is that prescient Vasudev, and she is also the consort of that Madhava. So he's saying that Mother Earth is a consort of Madhava. And that Vishnu eternally props up Mother Earth. Hence, that reverential Vishnu donning the semblance of sage Kapila will burn down the sons of Emperor Sagara to ashes in a fire of fury. So according to Valmiki, sage Kapila is actually none other than the incarnation of Lord Vishnu himself that has come to save Mother Earth. So, yeah, like with the water, he throws it at them and curses them. Because remember, he was like, it's not just water. He, like, energizes it with, like, mantras and stuff. Right. So, remember, when this is done now, Sage Sagara is still waiting for his sons to return with the horse. He waits and waits, and then nobody comes back. He sells, He sends his grandson by the name of Amshuman. You remember, he had one son with this one queen well that son ended up being uh, a very negative person right he's a terrorized people but he had a son that son had another son named Amshuman who was himself a very honorable person and he was very close to his grandfather so he sends Amshuman and he says go and find your uncles and find that horse and bring them back to me Amshuman goes out and he starts to follow the trail that his uncles had left because his uncles had literally terrorized the entire earth looking for this horse and it was easy to find their trail until he finds himself going to the hellish regions of the earth to, to look for the horse. And as he's going down, he finds the horse and he sees these mounds of ash all over and he gets to understand that these are his uncles that have been burnt. He starts to look for water because he's thinking to himself that I can use, I can go and find some water and I can perform the final rites for my uncles so that their souls can get liberated. While searching in the hellish regions, he cannot find any water. But what he does find is Garuda, that bird, the vehicle of Lord Vishnu, he is there. Garuda tells him that give up your search for water. There is no water that can liberate your uncles on this planet. You need the water of Ganga. And he tells him, go and perform austerities to Lord Brahma and ask Lord Brahma that he may allow Ganga Mata to flow on the earth. Amshuman goes back to his grandfather and he tells his grandfather what has happened. 
So Amshuman, he goes and he starts to perform austerities towards Lord Brahma to ask Lord Brahma to allow Ganga to come. But before he achieves this, he passes away. He has a son by the name of Raja Dilip. So Raja Dilip takes on that task of bringing Ganga to earth. Raja Dilip also dies before this task is performed. Raja Dilip has a son by the name of Bhagirath. And it's when Bhagirath goes and he starts to perform this sacrifice, perform these austerities, that eventually Lord Brahma is pleased and he appears. And he tells Bhagirath, Ganga will definitely flow to save your uncles. However, the force of Ganga is so great that were she to land on the earth, she will shatter the earth but her, because her force is so powerful. So go and offer worship to Lord Shiva so that when Ganga comes, Ganga will land on Lord Shiva's head. Lord Shiva will take the brunt of the force of Lord uh, of Gangama and from Lord Shiva Ganga will flow. So now he's done doing worship to Lord Brahma. He turns around and he starts to do tapasya to Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is the easiest pleased. So very quickly he's able to please Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva appears and he agrees. So this is how Gangama herself took avatar on earth. So Ganga, she flows from the toe of Lord Vishnu. And we saw that in the in the episode. She starts from the toe of Lord Vishnu. She lands on the head of Lord Shiva. She runs down the body of Lord Shiva. And she runs down through earth. And then from earth, she goes to Patalo. So she actually travels the three different realms. The only river that does it. So as... Vishwamitra is done telling them the story of Ganga. They continue on their way and they end up at the hermitage of Gautama Rishi. Immediately they find that the hermitage looks strange. There's a lot of dead plants and everything, but yet there's this one Tulsi plant that's evergreen. And they start asking... Guru Vishwamitra, why is this one plant green when everything else is dead? And he says, that is because there is a soul here that's been protected. So this Tulsi Ma is actually protecting this soul. And who is the soul? They look on the ground and there's a rock. And Shriram asks about a rock. And Vishwamitra tells them the story of how that rock came to be. And Gautama Rishi is married to Ahilya, and they said that Ahilya is this beautiful woman. One morning, Gautama Rishi decides he wants to go and uh, take a bath. He leaves to go, and Lord Indra, seeing Ahilya, he decides that he wants to be with her. He comes on earth, and he takes the disguise, he takes the form of Gautama Rishi. And he goes, and he's with, he stays with her for a little while, and then as he's leaving the, uh, the ashram, Gautama Rishi sees him. And he understands what just happened. And he curses him. 
As he curses him, Ahelia comes up. And Ahelia realizes her mistake and she bows to the feet of her husband of Gautama Rishi. But Gautama Rishi is so upset that the same rage he has for Lorindra, he has the same rage for his wife. And he curses his wife as well. And again, it's the same way he's taking the water and he's throwing the water. This is how he uses the curse. We, we saw uh, when Vishwamitra was giving Sri Ram the weapons, he used water in that case as well. But in this case, he's using water for something positive. So that's why we were saying that water is a common trend in this episode. But as soon as he curses his wife, he realizes that he has been too harsh on her. So he tells her that you will turn into a stone, but you will stay a stone. You will remain a stone until Sri Ram himself comes, until Lord Vishnu takes avatar on earth in the form of Sri Ram. And when he touches you, then you will regain your form. You will get the darshan of Sri Ram. And then you will join me again. So this is what we saw in this episode. When he comes, he touches her. She turns into a woman again. She gets his darshan. She goes back to be with her husband. I think one of the key things for us to take away from this is we see the devatas, the, the uh, demigods, they also suffer from the same uh, bad traits that we do. When we talk about uh, things like lust and envy, right? We're seeing that in this episode with Lord Indra. He's, he's envious, he's jealous, he's fearful, he's lustful, right? So when it comes to the demigods, there's a very clear distinction between Bhagavan, who Bhagavan would be Sri Ram, Sri Krishna, right? These forms of God as they take avatar. We see a very clear distinction between them and between the demigods. The demigods are there for a purpose. Whenever we need something from, for the material world, we go to them and we ask them. That is the system that was set up. But whenever we want moksha, we want something higher spiritually, that is when we go to Bhagavan and we ask him. So it's very important that we see the distinction between both. So when we see Lord Indra do this, that is a bad thing. But he is also still a demigod he is not god it's like you were saying before lord ram would have to touch his feet to the stone and so he does that and it turns back into a halya and she bows his feet and ram blesses her vishamitra ram and lakshman arrive at mithila where they decide they're going to stay there for a, a while and the messengers... So at of, the garden, right? When they yeah. get to the garden, um, Guru Vishwamitra says that this looks like a nice place for us to take a rest, for us to stop and relax. It's outside the city limits. There's no noise or anything here. Let's just stop here for a little while. Mm -hmm. And the messengers of King Janak see them and they go, they pay their respects to them mm -hmm. and they say that they're going to go and inform King Janak that they're in the kingdom. Right. And so, then it cuts to, we're seeing that uh, Raja Janak and his wife are there with their guru. And I, 
it doesn't say it in this episode, but I believe that that guru that's performing the puja is Yagna Valakji from that same first episode that we talked about. Uh, it was, I'm sorry, it wasn't the first episode. From that episode, we talked about Yagna Valakji and Bharadwaj. Bharadwaj goes to Yagna Valakji to ask him, to tell him the story of the Ramayan. This is that same Yagna Valakji. That is, he is the guru of of Janaka and he's doing this puja for them. So Sita, she she arrives a little like late, right? Weren't they waiting for her to do it? Yes, they, they were looking for her and then she does she does show up a little bit late. And then her mom starts Explains, to tell her yeah. the story of the bow. the bow. And her mom is a little bit worried because she's saying that maybe we have made this too difficult because this bow, uh, according to the story of the Ramayana, could not be lifted by any mortal man. But Sita Mata herself used to lift that bow when she was just a child. So that is why they made the, uh, the Swayamvar. The challenge was that somebody had to lift that bow and string it. They had to tie the string mm-hmm. onto it. So that is why they made that. But her mom is really worried that maybe nobody's going to be able to do it. So she starts to talk to Sita Mata about it. So she explains how every day since she was little, they would worship that bow, and now they're going to use it in the Swayamvar. And Sita, so that, that happens after Sita arrived. So they go and they start, they go do the puja, and that's basically how the episode ends. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was a long episode. Uh, there was a lot in it. And um, like I said, uh, uh, hopefully they start slowing down a little bit because there's a lot that they're putting in. Tell me something, what stood out to you in this episode? When Vishmisha was telling um, Ram and Lakshman about the Swayamvar, the way Ram just closed his eyes at the mention of Sita, looks <laughs> happy. Like he was like taking, he was like taking it in. Like I'm gonna go see Sita. Yeah. So this is Lord Vishnu. Having been apart from Lakshmi Mata for so long, finally hears that finally he's going to be able to go and see her and be with her again. And this is what he's thinking. He's just thinking about his Lakshmi. It was a very beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I like that. Another thing that stood out was, like we were talking about before, um, the use of water. It just kept, it was, it was a recurring thing that kept happening. So I also yeah. stood out. Yeah, so... I mean, even for us, when we go to temple, everything is based around water. We start the puja with water. We take the lot of water in our hands and we say, Om Gangecha, Yamuna, Chaiva, Godavari, Saraswati. And we're invoking the power of all of those sacred rivers into this water that we're holding. And now, looking at this episode, you see how powerful water is. But the greatest curses and the greatest blessings, they use water to do that. When the pundit is walking up and down at the end of the satsang and he's sprinkling the water on everybody. Now you know the power of that water. He's blessing the entire congregation that, you know, you would have the, the blessings of the Lord. Yeah, I actually had that also as one of the things that stood out to me. But I also have what I really like is seeing the change in Vishwamitra and seeing who he was 
before he attained the status of Brahmarishi, the ego and the pride and everything that was in him, the mm-hmm. temper that he had. And looking at him now, there's a total change in his attitude. You know, it's it's a 180 degree change in attitude. And not only that his attitude changes, but the kind of respect that he commands, that everybody recognizes him, everybody understands who he is, and everybody gives him the respect that he deserves. So this Vishwamitra is a completely different different Vishwamitra, and I really like this guy. Is there anything that you disliked about the episode? Nothing specifically, no. I wouldn't really say that I dislike it, but it's the same uh, reoccurring theme that keeps happening. There's just a lot going on. You have the uh, main uh, storyline that's happening. Then you have the story of Ahilya, which in itself could have been an episode. You have the story of Bhagirat. That in itself is a huge story. That could have been its own episode. And then at the end, they rushed to Janakpur to end up there. And plus, in the beginning, we still saw the defeat of Tarika. So that is so much that's put into it. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing. I mean, it's not that I disliked it. Uh, it's just, in my opinion, I think they're doing a little bit too much all at once. Well, Vishala, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. Is there anything else that you want to add in? No, I'm good. All right. So once again, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us. And uh, please continue watching the Ramanan Saga Ramayana. And we will continue to be with you with these reviews. And we can talk some more about it. Until next time, Jai Shri Ram. Ram. This has been a presentation of the Hindu Pod. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, and rate this episode, since it helps to bump us up in the feeds, which helps others to find the podcast. Please send comments to the Hindu Pod at gmail.com. That's the Hindu Pod at gmail.com. You can text us at 281 804 9616 or just search Facebook for The Hindu Pod. If you live in the Houston area, you can find us on most Sundays at the Sanatan Dharam Mandir for Sunday morning satsang. They are located at 12918 Player Street, Houston, Texas 77045 and are open Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you would like to support the pod financially, we are sponsored by HinduHandcrafts.com. That's HinduHandcrafts.com. Please visit HinduHandcrafts.com for Hindu religious-based items, such as framed pictures, wall plaques, tapestries, t-shirts, clocks, and so on. They are perfect for puja use and home decor gifts. Until next time, Jay Shiran.